Hey, this is Chris, the host of the Overflowing Life Podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I have two quick but important requests to share with you. First, we're planning something really special and exciting at the end of this season, a question and response episode. I'd love for you to be a part of that, and all you got to do is follow us on Instagram at The Overflowing Life and DM us your burning questions or any topics you're seeking clarification on. Your participation will make this episode truly interactive and enriching for everybody. Second, we're a brand new podcast, so we rely on your support to grow and reach more listeners. If you're enjoying this content, please subscribe and share it with two other friends who you believe would find value in our content as well. Your recommendation really means the world to me and helps our community thrive. Thank you so much for your support now. On with the show. I would question what is compelling me because what compels us, Chris, and what fuels us is just as important, if not more important than what we do. If you're a business leader out there listening to this, you can have a great business, but the question isn't how great is your business? What's more important is what is compelling you? Welcome friends to our latest episode of the Overflowing Life podcast where we navigate the crossroads of modern leadership, authentic living, and the redemptive power of business. I'm your host, Chris Lagarde. Today, we're diving into part one of a three-part discussion with Phil Carnuccio. Phil brings his 32 years of rich experience in leadership and personal growth to the table. And in the conversation, we explore how emotional intelligence and effective leadership practices intertwine to shape not just personal development, but also impactful leadership. Get ready for an insightful conversation that will challenge and inspire you, whether you're leading a team or navigating your own path to success. Enjoy. All right. Today, I am thrilled to introduce our very special guest, special to me anyway, and to a lot of other people in our area, but uh, this is Phil Carnuccio. He's a devoted father of three, a loving husband to Jill for an incredible 32 years, and a proud grandfather. Uh, beyond his cherished family life, Phil has dedicated 32 years to pastoral ministry, a journey marked by deep commitment and spiritual growth. Uh, Phil's pastoral journey is highlighted by his pivotal role in helping to found the church, uh, Providence Church in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And as a founder, pastor, and leader, he feels honored to have had a uh, very important part in nurturing and guiding that vibrant community. And his dedication to ministry is absolutely a test to his faith and uh, unwavering leadership. So at the heart of Phil's journey is a dedication and uh, to his personal and spiritual growth through Jesus Christ. He places a strong emphasis on emotional health, believing it to be essential for nurturing a heart that resonates with compelling love for and of Jesus. Phil's approach to leadership and personal development is both inspiring and transformative, and he has a lot to say about a lot of things, but especially when it comes to spiritual practices and, as you'll find out, the rule of life. So, Phil, welcome, my friend. Uh, Chris, it's great to be with you. And for those that don't know, I met Chris when he was back in high school. And so it's been a wonderful <laughs> journey to watch him also, Chris, to watch you, your journey with the Lord uh, from from believing in Jesus to today, doing what you're doing. So we're proud of you, Chris. And I'm honored, honored to be here with you and get to do this for uh, for today. So thanks for inviting me to be part of it. 
I appreciate that. And one of the hopes I have, Phil, as we have this conversation and, and as you're talking is that as people listen in, that they don't just listen, that they become a part of the synergy that I know you and I are going to have. Because like Phil said, we've known each other for a, a good long time and um, I have a lot of respect for him. And I can't wait for you all to hear um, what he has to share about spiritual practices about a lot of anything that we're going to talk about is going to be well worth it because I respect him as a leader. Uh, he's been a leader for a very long time in a space that is not always easy. And so Phil, um, you know, tell us a little bit about who you are and what do the listeners and the audience need to learn or know about you? Well, you said generally what I've been a part of as a youth pastor, then a pastor, um, uh, of starting Providence, 17 years ago and, and the journey we've been on. But I, you know, again, I love this conversation that we're going to have, Chris, just because beyond trusting Christ and getting married, I would say the third most important thing that's happened in my life is beginning to understand the beauty and depth of some of these practices we're going to talk about today. And I'll just say this, I'm convinced if I did not learn about them and learn how to in integrate them into my life, I'm not sure I'd be in ministry today. That's how important this conversation is. So if I, if I repeat back to you, what I just heard is, you know, putting this in the business leader, entrepreneur type of, of framework, like if you didn't have these practices and these frameworks, you would not be in leadership today. Is that right? Yes. I would say, I, I'm not sure I'd be in, in as a, as a pastor. Here, here's the second thing I would say to even business leaders. I would question what is compelling me because mm. what compels us, Chris, and what fuels us is just as important, if not more important than what we do. Mm. And I'm not sure if you're a business leader out there listening to this, you can have a great business, but the question isn't how great is your business? The great, the, what's more important is what is compelling you? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? What is it? And, or are we actually being compelled by love? So not only would I, I wonder if I'd be in ministry, if I did stay in ministry, I'm not sure what would be compelling me would be what I would call love. And we can get more into that. So, that okay. So yes, it does. And let me back up a second. I, 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 ha I have this voice in my head that that's saying there's a business leader out there that's like, okay, a pastor, really? You're going to have Tim talk to me as a business owner. What the heck does he know about business? I happen to know you do know a good deal about business. What, what would you say to that person? Why should they listen to you? Yeah, I would just say to a business leader out there, yes, the church is the church, but you still have to build it similar to a business. You have budgets, you have staff, you have people, you have vision, you have development. Yeah, it's for the church. But it's the same thing. You're building something with a purpose. And I hope if you're a business leader out there, bottom line is, why do you exist? Why do you exist as a company? And, um, and, and again, and what's driving your bottom line? Is it, is it how much money you're going to make? Is that the bottom line? Is it, what is it? So I think everyone has to ask the question, why do we exist and how are we getting there? whether you're in church or you're in, you're in business. So this is a critical conversation. Yeah. And, and you nailed it. What compels us? I mean, talk about coming out of the gate hot. 
you know, what compels us. So many of us, I mean, we, we talk about this in the, the first episode of the season, right? We, we talk about how we've just been numbed and hurried and distracted into, you know, um, really blindness as to what is compelling us. And, and we're numbing ourselves down into that. And we don't know many of us and many of the business owners I talk to, they don't know why they're doing what they're doing and what compels them. They think it's, it's about building wealth or becoming financially independent right. or having the most sales. And those are all fine, but they're fleeting. And if you don't have something underneath that, that you really understand what is driving you. And I love your answer of love because they're, they're, you know, it, it's, that is at the center of everything. And if you understand love as a leader, man, and you're pursuing that, that's, that's extremely, extremely powerful. Yeah. So, and I would argue, I would argue even in your business, if you're a business owner, mm -hmm. the culture that you're creating as a business owner is just as important as the product. Yeah. And if you want people to stay, if you want people to be their best in your business, then what's fueling that again? And your presence and what's fueling you is is they're going to catch it, yeah. either with words or without words. Chris, they're going to catch it. And so if you ignore that and you ignore what is what I would call what is happening within you, you're being very naive, very naive as a business owner to understand your power and your influence. So. There was a study done, and I would love your take on this. What, what you, what you, because you just touched on that, right? Uh, so, it was a study done by Green Peak Partners, and uh, in conjunction with Cornell University, uh, I think it was about four or five years ago, about what made CEOs successful. And they looked at 72, 73 CEOs, and, and what they found was the most important factor was self awareness. Would you agree with that? And if so, like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think one hundred percent. Chris, and we see it, we see the epidemic both in, and, and listen, I don't want to dismiss the church, both in church leadership and in business leadership, we have an epidemic problem. What is the problem? Guys are flaming out and burning out, two different things. I don't, you know, we don't have to go into great detail, but burnout is, I just don't have it anymore. No more passion. I don't want to do this anymore. Flaming out is when that you're out because of your character. Mm. I had an affair, I, you know, you're out. And by the way, that's happening in both worlds, business world and, um, and, and the church world. And so what is that at the core? People are not paying attention, spending time to paying attention to what is happening within or within their soul. And, and yeah. That, and so it brings it all full circle. It's like, there's this, uh, if just to repeat back to you, what you're saying is like, Hey, as leaders and, and as people, We've got to look at what compels us, what's going on in our soul, yes. who are we, yes. what's driving us, what's really at the center of it. And sometimes that center, is, it's, it is fear-driven. And, and I think as leaders, we've got to ask ourselves, do we really want to be driven by fear or greed or whatever? Or is there something more important that we want to be driven by? Because what's going to happen is you're either going to burn out or you're going to flame out, as you put it. And neither of those, I guarantee you, I know no leader wakes up yeah, I think I want to choose burnout today or I want to choose flame out today. We don't do that. Yet we do it by default, by moving at such a fast, hurried, busy, overwhelmed pace that we don't, we think we have to move at this pace to be successful and we cannot slow down. Um, and 
we end up at that place of burnout and, and flame out. And that was me. I mean, over the last couple of years, I've definitely experienced the burnout side of things where it's like, man, I just don't even want to do what I'm doing anymore, you know? And, exactly. And that's why I'm sharing a lot of these things so people don't have to necessarily go through with that. I would say to every leader out there that's listening or, or pastor that's listening and you're hopeless right now, you're wondering if there's hope because you're so... Your soul, I'm going to say this, your soul is so exhausted. You can't even think straight. You don't even know what you like anymore. You don't, you can't even name desires that you have. You're like, you get up every day and you drag yourself to do whatever you're doing. And you're like, you're asking this question, is this what it's about? Is this it? I just want you to know, I know this is why Chris is doing this. And I know this is why I'm on here with Chris. There is hope. There is hope. There is hope. So some of you just need to hear those words. There is hope. Thank you. Amen. Sorry, because yes. I interrupted you. No. And and people listening, like this is what I'm talking about. Be drawn in. We're going to interrupt each other. I'm going to tell Phil to be quiet. He's got to be, he's going too long. Whatever. We're going to have fun. Um, but it that sounds like you have personal experience with that. And I'm wondering, would you be willing to share? Like what what is that story? Like what happened with you? Yeah, Chris, uh, uh, to be vulnerable and just place it out there. I came to a point in ministry and I, I, I asked this question. I didn't ask this question. I made this statement. You cannot be a lead pastor and be healthy. When I say healthy, I mean sense of passion, vibrancy, compelled by love. You get out, you know, what's compelling you is not fear. I'm like, I came to a point and didn't believe you could be a lead pastor and lead from a healthy place. I'm like, and so that was a critical moment for me. Like either I have to leave and get out of this because it's, it's toxic or I have to figure out God in in my term, I would say, you know, God, is there a way to do this? That's healthy. If you're a business leader and maybe you, you, you don't have a framework around Christianity and you're listening to this, you're asking, is there a way to lead my company, you know, and, and do it in a way where, where there's a sense that I could do it in a way that's sustained and healthy. And I think there, I think there is, but I came to a critical moment and, and said, I don't believe you could actually do it. And I stated that to people. How, how long ago was that? Um, yeah, I, about 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah. About 15 years ago. So about halfway through my career. Yeah. That's what I asked that on purpose because so that people understand, hey, there's a history for you here with what we're talking about today. It's not like this was yesterday uh, necessarily. And so that question started a search mm-hmm. because I did want to stay in it, Chris. I didn't want to leave it. You were, you felt this was your calling, right? You felt yes, like this was yes. part of who you were and, and what you were meant to do on this earth. Like a lot of, you know, man, when we start a business, it's no different. Exactly. We're like, man, I've got a passion uh, for this. I want to see this problem solved or these, these things, you know, I want to do these things. And so when, when, when any leader, whether it's in ministry or in business, we hit that, it, it's devastating. It's like, well, I thought, yes. I thought this was going to happen and I, I can't go on like this. So yes. when you hit that point, what happened? Uh, I started to search and ask some questions. And, you know, in God's providence, um, a friend of mine handed me a book and it was called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And I'm like, that's a funny term. 
Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, but the title caught my eye. Chris, have you ever been to a point, and then for the listeners, have you ever like known something in your heart, but you weren't able to put it into words, and then somebody writes it, mm-hmm. an article or a book, and you read it, and you're like, yes, 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 yes. And that book was written by a guy named Peter Scazzaro, who had been a pastor, and he started to put into words some of the things that I was feeling in my heart, but he had some helps. And he started to talk about this thing called emotionally healthy spirituality. So I began that journey 15 years ago. Fortunately, as you know, Chris, we were just planting Providence. So I got to bring our church and the leadership of our church along with me on the journey. I'm mm. so thankful for that. Mm. I uh, So I had the same experience with that book. Uh, I was actually leaders, uh, emotionally healthy leader. And um, look, I don't care where you're at from a a spiritual standpoint, that book, either spirituality or leader, um, you know, I've read leader. I know that book very worth it for anybody to read. Um, and it's just, it's, there's so many really amazing concepts in there. Um, which some of which, uh, again, um, a lot of these conversations I've been having this year are based on, and I, I had already started kind of recording and getting into this podcast before I picked up that book. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like a lot of this stuff is, is already here. So there's frameworks there. Like you said, there's hope there's frameworks out there that allow us to sustainably lead and, uh, go where we want to go. It's just, yes. they, they're not, it's not popular or they're not uh, well-known uh, around there. So when you started practicing some of this, so you picked up that book and you're thinking, okay, this is it. Yep. Uh, was it something that you could just, you're like, great, I, I've got this and I mastered it right away. Or was there a process? Like talk to us a little bit about how you learned how to go from the burnout that you were feeling to sustainability. So I remember going to listen to Peter speak. Because I was reading the book and I'm like, I, I got to go meet this guy. So I remember going to hear he and his wife speak. And Peter Cazero said something and it shook me. He said, we need to learn how to equip people or train people. We would use the term in our language, disciple people, right? And it is slow. And I was like, What? Everything that we've learned, and Chris, you were part of this when we were reaching kids for Christ, or it was pretty fast. It was like, we're reaching a lot of people. What's the next thing? It's pretty busy. We're moving fast. Peter Scazzaro was the first leader that said, this is not fast. This is slow. And Hold on. you're going to have to- Hold eat. on. Did yeah. everybody hear that? This is an and- not only is it not fast with the people you're leading, it's not fast for you for either. You. Yes. So when that, that journey started 15 years ago, I'm on the journey. It's a slow journey. Chris, I want to say this, and you know this. If someone thinks they're going to pick up a book and read concepts and they got it, you miss the entire point. The entire point. Okay. Picking up Emotionally Healthy Leader or EHD or Ruth Halley Barton's book, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. Another great intro book. If you want to, she does a great job, different language, uh, but the same thing. Different semantics, but the same thing. Yeah, this is a beginning of a journey of a, I'm going to say like not a new, totally new way, because a lot of things you've been doing is great, 
but incorporating some of these elements that we'll get into to help your heart and your soul be aligned with the Lord, with yourself in your leadership. So it's been a 15 year journey for me, my wife and our staff. And as you can imagine, a growing church. Can I ask, you don't have to share if, if you don't, what Enneagram you are. Can I ask you you to guess? Can I ask you to guess? I just took it. Me? Or a seven. Yeah. Three or a seven. There you go. Seven. Yeah. Seven. In fact, I just took it again uh, two nights ago and uh, I'm still at seven. Well, which, you know, the model is you don't really change and only you can determine what type you are, right? No, no assessment can tell you, but uh, it's good that they're affirming that. Are you a one? Hmm. No, you're a three. What else do you think I'm? Nope. Really? Um, I'm a five. Five. That was my third guess. Investigative five. observer. Um, and but yet I have a um, I don't know if you've heard of this thing called a tri-type. Um, I tell you about it later, but you know, we have the three three centers of intelligence. And so my um I'm a five, four, nine. So okay. when you think back to all the artistic stuff I've done and everything, that's where the four comes in. And the and I'm a I'm I'm a countertype on the subtype. I'm a um one to one subtype, uh five. So it's a countertype. So I don't generally look like a five. Most people don't guess it. Um, I asked that because, um, I, you know, most leaders are, you know, a lot of the leaders I coach are three eights or sevens. And so they want to move fast. They don't want to slow down. And so here is, yes. this is not a, a quick or fast process, not only yes. for you or the people you lead, it's going to take intentionality. And it's also going to take the intentionality of pulling out of the pace of the world um, and abstaining from that or resisting it, as we we talk about in uh, our our third episode, uh, no third, maybe fourth episode about just the uh, the rest, and and we'll get to rest in a minute. But it's it's that um, almost like a, a punk rock thing. Like I'm going to resist this and push back against it, and uh, that takes uh, patience and intentionality around that. So I, I like the word too. I love the word you're using, Chris. Pushback. I use the word disrupt. Yeah. Literally, when we get in and we talk about a little bit about Sabbath and and silence and solitude and and pauses throughout the day, it's disrupting the normal pace of your of life to for union and communion with God. And if you don't disrupt it, it will. It, it, the, our cultures are not friendly to our souls. No, they, the they cultures sure aren't. we're in that we've created are not friendly to our souls. And I love that pushback. This is a, you have to, you have to get very intentional that you're going to disrupt the patterns that are sucking our life away. Yes. So let's do that. Let's get, let's get into this, right? So we already know that this is important for leaders because if you don't do this, the cost of not doing this is burnout, flame out, right? You're not, it's not sustainable if you are not finding a way to replenish your soul and protect yourself, right? So uh, the first practice that we really get into, you know, we talk about surrender and the importance of surrender. Um, and let me ask you, because I'm kind of going through all the topics that I have in here, and because I, I think you're going to have a lot of good things to say on this. So for just a minute, let's pause before we get into practices and say, how important is it in the process of going from unhealthy to healthy to first surrender and uh, you know kind of let go of the control and accept how things are? 
Um, it's at the core of it all. If you if you can't relinquish, you won't you won't do this. But but I, I again, all these things are a process. I I I, I want to share just something really quick on surrender. Um, Mary and Jesus is a great example, but Mary, her his mother, is a great example to me because a teenager who didn't have in her agenda to have the son of God came to a point and it wasn't part of her, again, she wasn't journaling. I'm going to be the mother of Jesus. That was not in her. <laughs> I guarantee it. But yet an angel came to her and she was receptive as a young girl. And she was able to say what? she was. A, I, I call it the prayer of indifference. The prayer of indifference. Mm, it's not a prayer that I don't care. I don't mean indifference. I don't care. It's a prayer. And it's hard to get here, Chris. It's a prayer saying, all I want is one thing. May your will be done, God. That's what I want for my life. I want your will to be done. And honestly, Chris, if you can't pray the prayer of indifference like Mary did, she said, your will be done. Jesus said in the garden. Your will be done. That's the prayer of indifference. Hear what I'm about to say here. Some of us might need to start in surrender with the prayer for indifference. Like, I ain't ready to pray indifference. So let me pray, Lord, I'm not there. I can't pray your will be done. But Lord, can you give me that? Can you bring me to a place where I could pray the prayer of indifference? And that's what that surrender is. Are we really there where we can pray that? So that's just a little practice that's helpful when it comes to surrender being at the core. Well, and and not only that, but like, I didn't realize it until, I don't know, there was a, it wasn't, I forget who made this, but there was a movie made that was more realistic recently about um, the Christmas story. And, you know, Mary, like I, I didn't never, it's not said anywhere, but like, okay, well, people looked at her, you're pregnant. Uh-huh. Sure. Sure. It's a son of God. Like, you know, you're, you're a little, whatever, fill in the blank of what, you know, derogative you want to use. And forever. Exactly. They looked down on her because she, you know, got pregnant out of wedlock. And back then that was a huge, huge deal, huge deal uh, for a young woman. And, and she, I'm sure she knew that was probably part of the cost. And yet um, that indifference, that getting to neutral is extremely important when it comes to making a lot of these decisions and, and moving forward. And so the, cause I, the way I look at it is this, Phil, is that I, how do you, how do you choose solitude, silence, um, contemplation? How do you, how do you choose to pull out of this pace and this pattern that we're in? If, if you don't first recognize there's a problem and number two, right. Say I, I like AA, I love the way AA puts it. It's like, Hey, I'm powerless against this. I, I I'm at the end of myself. I can't good. do this. I've got to let go and surrender and say, I can't control this. And by the way, controls a farce anyway. Like I've so little I control. I've got to get to a point where I let go. So, yeah, no, no, exactly. But here's the beauty of that too, uh, Chris, if she was so busy and, and, and so crowded with noise, she never would have heard it. And God is, whether you're, again, whether you're a business leader, a pastor, the Holy God is speaking to you. 
about you and about what he wants. And I just wonder if it if we're so busy and we're not surrendered and creating the space to listen, are we even missing the signals? Are we missing oh, the signals? A hundred percent. And and I I talk I've I I'm sure maybe by the time they get to this episode, they might be sick of me saying this, but David Benner, the only article I could, I could find on uh, that David Benner was interviewed. He talks about the soul being the place where we self-reflect self know. And, and as to put it in your language, our language, like it is where you get to hear God. If you're not. Um, and then John Ortberg saying uh, on uh, another podcast, how we are outsourcing um, the management of our consciousness, which is equivalent to the soul. Then we, it, we're plugging into the matrix. It's it's running everything. And um, that is very destructive, which is why, okay, I can't do this. I've got to let go and surrender. Now, what do I do? That concludes part one of our three-part interview with Phil Carnuccio. Stay tuned for part two, releasing in three episodes where we discuss ancient practices with Phil. But first, we have to discuss what those ancient practices are. So join Adrian and I in the next two episodes as we uncover the critical role of ancient practices in leadership. First, we'll explore solitude and silence and contemplation and reflection. And then we'll dive into rest and authentic community. I'm not exaggerating when I say that these discussions have the potential to revolutionize your approach to leadership. They did for me. So make sure you don't miss out on these transformative conversations. Until next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Overflowing Life. If our message struck a chord with you, please subscribe and connect with us. Share your thoughts, questions, and stories with us on Instagram at The Overflowing Life or visit TheOverflowingLife.com. And if you're looking for coaching that helps you create an overflowing life, please reach out to us. We'd love to partner with you.